Our scripture reading for today is 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19 through 27. And our scripture, um, our sermon title today is Free to Serve All. And this is the Lord's word. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew, in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law I became as one outside of the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. Do you not know that in the race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wealth, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. And may the Lord bless us in the reading of his word. Freedom. To be able to do whatever you choose to do. To not have someone tell you that you must do X, Y, and Z. But that you yourself have choices, almost unlimited choices before you, that you may become what you want to become. Freedom. It's having excess time, money, resources to do with what you please. How should I spend my money today? How should I spend my time today? How shall I spend my heart today? The question that we as U.S. citizens often get is, we are a nation that spouts freedom. We all have certain inalienable rights as human beings. And the world looks at us and asks us, how does your country use their freedom for the good of the world? And we look even at ourselves and we ask the question to one another, how do we use our time, our resources, our heart? for the sake of others. You who are free 
you who have excess. How shall you use it? For the good of others? Or for yourself? Now that's a question that we could ask anywhere. It doesn't have to be here on the pulpit. That's a question any humanist would come and talk about as well. And it's a good question. But I'm not here to ask you what's your New Year's resolution. How much more money are you going to give? How are you going to use your time? How are you going to discipline your, your heart to, to love people more? Because Paul is talking about something very different, very deep, that the outside world does not understand. Paul is saying to you that you are free. You are free. You are free from sin and from the law that judges you. You no longer have to worry about God looking down upon you and casting judgment upon you for not being perfect and following his laws. You are free from your conscience that condemns you when you know that you have not loved the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind. You are free from your conscience when it condemns you and says that you are not worth anything to anyone. The Lord himself has freed you from the law, has freed you from judgment. We do not have to worry about God looking down upon us and castigating us. But by God's grace through Jesus Christ, he looks upon you with love. When you are in Christ, there is no mistake or sin that you can make that will turn the Father's back to you. And in fact, the Lord is so gracious that he'll come running after you. He has changed the law that brings fear unto what Paul comes, calls here the law of Christ, which forgives, which loves, which embraces you. No matter how much you think you have failed God and failed others, let me tell you, you've actually done a lot worse. No matter how much times you, you feel like in your heart and your mind that you're no good before the Lord, 
And guess what? You're actually a lot worse than you, than you even know. And yet the law does not condemn you because Jesus sees it all and still loves you. You're free to love God. You're free to approach Him. You're free to talk with Him. You're free to fellowship with Him, to know Him and to be known by Him. What greater freedom is there? Money cannot buy this. Having all the time in the world cannot buy this. But Jesus bought it for us. Free to be loved by Him and free to love Him. Are you free? Let me ask you that again. Are you free? Do you go before the Lord and say, Lord, you are my priest. You're the one that I need to spill out my guts. You know it anyway, but I'm going to just share everything with you because no one else is going to listen to me. If I spill out everything, people are going to look at me and judge me. I'm going to spill it out to you because you're my priest. You're my best friend. You're my Savior. And as I do so, I know that you will receive me. And I know that you will love me. And I know that I belong to you. Are you free? This world is looking for priests. This world is looking for someone to, 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 to help them feel whole. This world is looking for someone or some being to, to love them as they are. And, and I'm telling you, the, the only person who's done that for us is Christ. Are you free? Paul is free. You're free from the judgment of the world because you know that God loves you more than anything else. Does it really matter what someone thinks about you? Does it really matter if your boss tells you, you know, gives you a bad review? But we as God's children, we take things in stride. Why? Because we know we are fallen creatures. And no matter how harsh the criticism is from the world to us, we know we're a lot worse. But God is a lot better. His love for us is perfect. When you know that you're loved by God, it does not matter what other people think because the love of the Lord covers everything. 
when you fall in love with someone. And I, and I, I hope and pray that the Lord opens doors from love you to get married. Or perhaps you, you really start to fall in love once again with your parents for the first time. And when you feel that love and experience that love, what happens to you? Even on an earthly basis, it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. It really doesn't. Even this derivative human love can give life The love of Christ enables us to block out all the noise. We're free from eternal punishment. As we read in our confession, our, uh, our, our time of repentance, we are working in this life, not for this life, are we? If it is, then we are even sadder <laughs> than those who do not know Christ. Let me say that again. If we simply work for things in this life, when we know that things in this life are transient, and we know that eternal life in Christ is going to be for eternity, that our time here is a drop in the bucket compared to the time with Christ forever and ever. And yet, we work more for here than for there. Then we, we are the most foolish people, aren't we? And what do we do? What happens? We compromise the freedom that we have. We do not have to fear eternity. We look forward to eternity. And so all the things that happen in this life, we as God's people are able to, one, love covers over a multitude of sins. Or as the world likes to say, just let it roll off your back. It's not a big deal. Or number two, when criticism and difficulties happen, we walk right through it, knowing if my Savior could walk through my sins and the sins of this world, and not flinch. So can I deal with the messiness of this world? For the power of God is that strong. Are you free? Are you free? Our church has to be people who who soak up the gospel 
the love of Jesus so deeply, to breathe it in so deeply, it permeates everything that we do. Have you guys ever had this experience? You go back to your native country. I went back to Korea. My Korean is awful. And, um, you know, you'll go there, and, and the way the Korean people do things, you're just like, you feel so constrained at times because of cultural difference. And you want to just scream from the mountaintop and say, hey, I'm American. <laughs> you want to find that first sort of Caucasian guy and, and they're speaking English going, hey, you and me, we're brothers, man. Come on, you and I. And the, you, you sort of want to say, this is who I am. This is my citizenship. This is my culture. This is, this is me. You are in Christ Jesus. You should be able to look at one another and say, we, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. You should be able to go in this world and feel uncomfortable, but knowing that in this uncomfortableness, you are being shown that you are free in Jesus. And that you need to go and show them that Jesus indeed can free them as well. This is the freedom that Paul is talking about. And yet Paul does something interesting when he pivots here in this passage. He says, For though I am free from all, I have made myself, what? A servant to all. Think about what he's saying here. Jesus loves me. I don't have to worry. I shouldn't worry about my life. That's awesome. I don't need to worry about other people's thinking about me. That's awesome. I'm going to heaven. That's awesome. And right now you're thinking, isn't that what the Christian life is about? Just, just those things? And Paul says, no. The purpose of the freedom that God has given you is not for you to enjoy it for yourself. If the purpose of knowing Jesus is just for your own personal satisfaction and enjoyment, then you've missed the point of why God saved you. He tells us that our freedom He gives us in Jesus the spiritual time, the spiritual resources that we now have. Whether or not you have a lot of money or not, does not matter. Whether you perceive you have a lot of time or not, does not matter. Your perceptions of this world and what resources are does not matter. but the spiritual resources of God's spirit and love in you, of him orchestrating all the things that are going on in this world, of putting you in a particular place at a particular time with what seems like a hopeless situation, that the only thing that you have is prayer and God's promise to be with you.
our duty with our freedom is to serve people. To serve and to love one another. First, he says this, serve others as they are and where they are. Look at verse 20 to 22. I, I love this passage. To the Jews, I became a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside, I became as one outside. Uh, to the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I, I have become all things to all people, verse 22, that by all means I might save some. <coughs> in that list, basically, Paul is describing to you all the people groups that are known to him. He's a Jew. To those who are under law, and there's a little debate what that means, but I look at that and I think that means people who have a wrong understanding of what the purpose of the Mosaic law was, perhaps the Pharisees and the Sadducees. To those who are outside the law, the, the Gentiles. To those who are weak. Paul did not come... When, when the gospel comes in your life, and when it came to Paul's life, he wasn't looking afterwards to find himself. Let me, let me say that again. When the gospel comes into your life, the first question in your mind should not be, okay, who am I? What does it mean to be an Asian American? What does it mean to be single? What does it mean to be married? What does it mean to be a father? What does it mean to be a mother? What does it mean to have all these roles that, that I have? Who am I? What, what kind of person am I? It's not about worrying, oh my goodness, if I, if I marry such and such a person, then, then my, my, my pathway is going this way. If I marry such and such a person, my pathway is going this way. Or if I have a kid, my kid is like this, then I know my family is going to be different. Or if I move from one city to another city, one country to another country, you know, I'm, I'm going to be a different person. So who am I? Paul doesn't ask that question. Paul doesn't look at his navel and try to figure out who he is. Paul dies to himself when he finds Christ. Paul dies to himself with the freedom that he has. Wherever he is, I will become like these people. I will eat what they eat. And that's not a problem with us, right? I'll eat what they eat. I'll drink what they drink. I'll wear what they wear. I will celebrate what they celebrate. I will mourn with them when they mourn. I will love them for who they are and let myself die. This is beautiful. And even from a human perspective, we can understand this. Your mom or your dad might have told you, I've sacrificed everything for you. And they, they probably have, whether we know it or not. Sit with your parents one day and ask them, what were you like before you had me? 
What were your dreams? What path was God taking you on? Because I know after you had me, everything changed. Your life changed. And you became apparent to me because you needed to love me. You died to yourself. You aged quicker because of me. Your wrinkles came faster because of me. And sometimes mom and dad, you fought because of me. But you loved me as best as you knew how to. When we are God's people with the freedom that we have, our duty is to love one another, to love the people God puts in our path, and not to exercise our rights of, I demand to be loved this way, I demand to be recognized this way, I demand to, 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 to have you look at me and say that you are an important person. No, I'm here to love you to serve you because I'm free of those things. Paul says he disciplines his body to serve others and, and I, I love the way he says this verse 26, 27, right? Uh, um, so I do not run aimlessly. I do not beat as one beating the air but I discipline my body and keep it under control lest after preaching to others I myself should be disqualified. We are prone to look after our own interest all the time. All the time. When you have a family, you're prone to look after the interests of family more than anything else. That's what Paul talked about in the previous chapters, right? Sometimes it's better not to get married. Why? For the sake of the gospel. The temptations, the, uh, just the natural inclinations that we have. Paul is telling us to discipline our bodies, discipline our minds, discipline ourselves in such a way that the freedom that we have does not turn into laziness, video games, that time between 9 and 11 o'clock where you absolutely do nothing for 99% of you guys. And you let that freedom waste away. But I discipline my body in such a way that the opportunities of ministry, when they come, I'm there. I'm there to love, I'm there to serve, I'm there to help. I discipline my body, I discipline my, my mind. How? By reminding myself that I'm free. When you are preoccupied in your mind over yourselves, you can't serve other people. Have you ever noticed that? When you're preoccupied with your own problems and issues, 
but you can't serve other people. Because you've shackled yourself again. It's not because of this world that you're shackled. Again, it's not because of this world you are shackled. It's not because you don't have enough time. It's not because you don't have enough money. It's not because you don't have enough good friends. It's not not any of that stuff, please. It's because you've forgotten Christ. And Christ is there waiting for you to return. And Christ is there waiting for you to use your freedom again to serve other people. And what's his purpose to serve other people? Verse 19 and 22. It's to win at least some over to Jesus. His expectations are not to win all to Jesus. It doesn't say to win all to Jesus or to win nobody to Jesus, but just some to Jesus. His heart is to see other people come to know Christ through his service of those people through word and and through deed. And to do so without expectation but with loving freedom to all. Why does he do all this? What's the, what's the payoff in living like this? Well, we see the eternal payoff already. We'll, we'll be with Christ forever. We have, we, we've seen sort of the present payoff. We, we, we have Jesus in our lives and we want to obey him. But there's something else that's beautiful about using our freedom to serve other people. Look at verse 23. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I might share with them in its blessings. Let me see it. Let me read that one more time. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I might share with them in the gospel's blessings. When you are selfish with your faith, when faith is all about you, or that one or two people in your life that you say, these are my best friends and we're going to do just Christian things together. And you shut everyone else out. If, if that's all your Christian life is, this is the selfish faith. Then by God's mercy, you will hopefully see at least some blessing within that, in yourself or within that small group. But let me tell you, it will wither and die. If you believe that your faith, the gospel of freedom that he's given to you is only for yourself, you'll receive blessing in the future, but it'll eventually wither and die. If you experience that gospel blessing, you're just having with your two or three besties and, and you're just sort of, sort of sharing in the beginning, let me tell you as, you, as time goes on, you will stop sharing that and that gospel blessing will die. Until God wakes you up again. 
For the joy that Paul has is what? In sharing with all, in serving with all. That I may share in its blessings the fruit that arises. When I see Jesus at work through me, through you, through us. When we see that some of those people come to know Christ. When we even see some who do not know Christ say, I bless your Father in heaven. I don't believe in Him, but you believe in Him. I bless that you guys came here to to help us and to serve us. Thank you. God will take that. I will take that. We take that. Blessings of the gospel cannot be experienced if we keep it to ourselves. The blessings of the gospel only come and grow as we use our freedoms to serve others. Our Lord Jesus Christ, He was free, free to make a choice. Do I save my people or not? But he wasn't free as to the means or how. It wasn't like a negotiation between the father and his son and the, and the father said, you need to go and die on the cross. And the son says, wait, 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 wait. Let's negotiate this. What if I just go down, preach a little bit, and like the Quran says that I didn't really die, but we switch it with an angel, let the angel die. Can we do that? There's no negotiation. Scripture is clear. The only way to save his people was for Jesus to take on the form of a man, to live a perfect life, and to die on the cross, a gruesome death. To be separated from the Father for three three days and two nights. To pay the penalty of sin. That he may impute that to his people and that his people may be free. But Jesus was free to choose that path or not. He didn't have to. Perfect love, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You and I can't even imagine what that looks like. But Jesus chose in his freedom to serve. love as we receive that grace that he's given to us may we turn that same grace to others may we die to ourselves become like others to win even some to Christ may we dare to ask God for his blessings upon this whole work of gospel redemption that we may share in the fruits and blessings of that gospel let's pray